You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. It's good to see you guys here this morning. And man, I love Mother's Day. Uh, be able to celebrate with my uh, mom. And uh, man, she's really the heart and soul of our family. So this is an awesome, awesome day for us to be able to eat with her and hang out with her and just show her how much we love her. And uh, I know that's true for many of you uh, in the room uh, today as well. And I, I hope that you guys enjoy those pies. And uh, you know, if your husband wants a bite, you, you may or may not want to share with him today. That's totally up to you. Um, we, can, we can disregard the share with one another verses in the Bible today because it's Mother's Day, right? Um, but uh, also I wanted to update you, last week was a huge day for us. So Generosity Sunday was last Sunday. So many of you guys gave uh, and, and man, it was just a great day. And so many of you made commitments to continue to give. If you weren't able to be here last week and you missed Generosity Sunday, you wanna give, you can do that today. Um, you can indicate that on the, on the card or you can, if you don't have a card, they're in the back. Our, our ushers can help you get one of those and make a commitment. Uh, we're really excited about all of those that are coming in. And so I'm not gonna share what was committed last week because they're still kind of coming in, uh, but I can share that last Sunday, over $100,000 was given uh, in just that one day. So that was huge and what a great blessing uh, that has been. And so, yeah, we can praise God for that and uh, exciting. So many of you partnering to do that. And again, if you want to do that, you, you can still uh, jump into that. Um, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Joshua chapter 24. Today, we are starting a, a new series on marriage and family. And uh, it's entitled, As for Me and My House. And so we, we come to uh, Joshua 24, who in fact made that statement. We're gonna read that in just a moment. But uh, my prayer over the next four weeks as we uh, dive into this topic is that we would be blessed, we would be encouraged, and we would be challenged as uh, couples, as, as, as marriages, and, and as leaders for our family. And so if you're single, uh, this is still gonna be very applicable to you as well. As we move through this, we'll be making uh, references uh, about what that looks like for you. But I wanted to go to chapter 24. It's obviously the last chapter in the book of Joshua. And um, it's at the beginning of your, of your Bible, by the way, if you're kind of looking for that. Uh, and so um, up until this point, you gotta realize Joshua has been mentored by Moses. He was in slavery in Egypt. He came out of that slavery uh, with Moses and the rest of the Israelites. He's, he's walked across uh, the Red Sea on dry ground. Uh, God has provided manna in the wilderness. God has just provided so much uh, for him. He, he saw all of that. He, he saw the Passover. He saw the, the death angel pass over the Israelite people. So, man, he, he's experienced a lot of stuff. He's with Moses during this time. And so he's learned, he's grown. Um, and then he, he, he was with the Israelites when they came to the promised land. And you'll remember uh, they sent spies out and then they were afraid to, to seize the land because they, they thought they were uh, not gonna win. And so they got scared. And so God sent them back out into the wilderness for 40 more years to wander around. And so uh, he's, he's seen all this. And then uh, Moses dies and then Joshua leads the people into the promised land. And so he leads them across the Jordan River um, and, and, and they walk across dry land. He walks around with the people around the walls of Jericho and the walls come crumbling down. Uh, he witnesses all this. He becomes a warrior leader, defeating all the tribes and all the people in the land that God had given to them. And so he's just an incredible dude, incredible leader. And at the end of this book in chapter 24, he starts the chapter with 
Don't forget what God has done for us. So he, he walks them through all the great things that God has done, all the great things that, that God blessed them with and, uh, and had done for them. And, and then he moves into a command. He, he moves in to demand a decision from them because yet again, many of them decided to serve other gods. Uh, many of them were serving idols that their forefathers served and, and they were running after other religions they, and, and they were putting priority over serving God. And so here comes verse 14. Look at it with me. It says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Listen to this, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt. In other words, put all of those other idols away. Stop, stop running after those gods and those idols, put them away and start following the true God. He says, and serve the Lord, verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, in other words, if you don't think he's worthy, if you don't think it's the right thing to do, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. I mean, I love that, that command, that, that, that challenge. I'm gonna be asking you the same thing today. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Listen to this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I love that statement. I love this statement because of what it really declares and what it means because Joshua was, was essentially saying, despite what y'all do, we're gonna serve the Lord. Despite what you guys decide, despite how, how you're going to live your life, despite how you're going to raise your children, despite how you're going to raise your family, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna serve him. In other words, we're not gonna fall in line with culture. We're not gonna look the same way. We're not gonna act the same way. Our priorities are gonna be different than, than your priorities. So like, it doesn't matter what you do, we are going to serve the Lord. And I think, I think, this would be an incredible like God thing, God movement in the life of our church if throughout this series and maybe even today, the men and women in this room would declare, you know what, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna stop chasing after idols. We're gonna stop chasing after cultural dreams and, and what society says is the right way to parent, what society says we have to do as, 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 as parents. And, we're gonna stop running after things that you know, people run after on TV and we're gonna start running after God. You see, I think if we make that commitment, imagine the, 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 the health that our marriages would experience. Imagine the kind of families our children would be raised in if, if, if you and I truly decided to serve the Lord and we stopped riding the fence, right? We stopped acting one way at church and, and another way at work, or one way at home, another way at, at, at the job site. And we said, this is who I am. Like I follow God. And, and listen, I know we're gonna be ostracized and people are gonna look at us weird and they're gonna, they're gonna think we're you know, stupid. And listen, as, as time progresses and our nation goes further and further away from the principles of the Bible, like we're no longer a, a, a nation where Christianity is normal. We are seen more and more as not just weird, but, but as not beneficial to society. You know, you can believe whatever you want to believe. Just don't let that belief affect me or, or, or you know, be 
you know, spoken to me about. Well, that's where like, like the challenge and the rub is between our faith, who we say we follow, and what culture is experiencing here. We're going we're gonna to be in a culture that is progressively more and more anti-Christian. Are we going to be men and women that say, look, I, whatever you guys do, whatever path you go, we're going to serve the Lord. And I love this. I think if, if that's all you hear today and you walk away with you know, a desire to make that commitment, I, I think we've been successful. But, but I, I, I hear so many excuses you know, about why our kids are the way they are today and why society is like going in the way it, it's going. I mean, you've probably had this conversation like me, but so often we have conversations with our friends and we talk about our kids and what, what they go through and what they have and what we had you know, growing up. And, and if you're older than me, maybe, maybe in your generation, it's even worse, you know, as far as what, what you had to do. You, you had to walk uphill both ways going to school, right? With no shoes on and it was snowing. And so, you know, today our kids, they've got cell phones, they got video games. All they want to do is text. And that's the problem today with our kids. They don't, that, that's all they want to do, right? You know, we blame so many things, you know, for our children and their behavior and culture. But at the end of the day, maybe this is true. I don't know, you take this or leave this, but perhaps the problem is not technology and, and, and video games. Perhaps the problem is that we don't have any parents that are leading children spiritually. Perhaps marriages are failing. Perhaps your marriage is, is, is you know, not good today because you as a man are not leading your family spiritually. And I think that's the biggest problem that we face. And so, so we, we want to we see what it looks like to, to lead our family spiritually throughout this series. Uh, I, I've counseled people in, you know, in their marriage, and, and if it's premarital counseling, they're so optimistic. You know, you know I, I love him, and we're going to be happy, and you know, she's the one for me. And you know, we, they're, they're so in love and so optimistic. And then, you know, like year five, six, seven, throw a few kids in the mix, right? And then they're showing up in my office and they're like, is it even possible to enjoy marriage? Like, that's the question people are asking. Is it even possible to, to have a healthy and, and, and good marriage? Because A, we don't see it modeled. And then, and then B, like, it's so terribly difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's really difficult to live with somebody and, and, and to get along with them and to serve them and to raise our children um, with, with God's love. It's, it's just a challenge. And so here's what I tell them when they ask me that. 100%, absolutely, yes, it is possible to have an incredible marriage, a God-fearing marriage, a, a marriage that is filled with intimacy and love and compassion and, and service. Yes, 100%, it is possible. But it's not very likely if you follow the culture and the community that we live with. If you do the things that they do, if you live the way that, that they live, it, it, it's not only um, not possible, it's, it's, it's not likely that you're going to enjoy your marriage. I mean, we've all heard the stats, like 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? And so, so we, we hear that, and, 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 and the reality is even the 50 that are making it today, it's, 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 I don't know what the percentage is on them, but, but such a, I mean, when I talk to people, like what I see is, is those 50 that are making it are just barely hanging on. They're not enjoying it. They're just kind of enduring it, right? And, and, and not only are they not enjoying it, they're just enduring it, but they're just kind of staying together because of the kids. 
So we'll stay together for the kids and, and you know, so we'll focus on them and, and I don't know who she is and she doesn't know who I am and, and we don't really talk that much, but we're just gonna focus on the kids. And then, and then you raise a family and the kids grow up and they leave and they don't wanna be around you and you wonder why. And then your spouse doesn't wanna be around you and you wonder why. Well, you spent 15, 18, 20 years of not developing a relationship with anybody your schedule is just this, this mad treadmill that you've been running and doing and going. And at the end of the day, you don't even know your kids. You don't know your spouse. And it's like you're regretful at that point. But I, I don't want us to get to that day and go, man, I wish I would have. Let's do it now. Let's do it today. Let's choose today whom we are going to serve and, and, and be weird and be different than, than our friends and the people at work. And, and, and realize that that difference is going to make all the difference. I think that um, a, a recent book that I read has, has um, really, really encouraged me on marriage. Um, because like I said, 50% of marriages are, are ending in divorce. And, you know, you, you think about that. And, and, you know, if you do the things culture does and live the way culture is going to live and, and do marriage like they do it, um, you've got a 50-50 chance of it, of it being, you know, good marriage uh, or, or lasting. I just say that, that it's going to last, okay? And, and when you think about odds like that, there, there aren't very many things that we would do with those kind of odds. Those are terrible odds, right? Like if I told you today that there was a certain cereal um, and, and if you eat this cereal, there's, there's a 50% chance that you're going to get cancer. Would you continue to eat that cereal? Of course not, right? I mean, unless it was crunch berries, and then I mean, we would probably all take the risk. But the majority of us would not take those odds. Those are terrible odds. If I told you if there was a roller coaster at Dollywood today, and if you ride it, there's a 50% chance that you're going to die on that roller coaster you know, the majority of us, there might be some, you know, adrenaline, you know, fiends in the room that would say, bro, I would go for it. But the majority of us would say, those are terrible odds. I'm not riding that train. And yet, the odds are 50% of our marriages are going to end if we follow culture. And yet we jump on the cultural marriage train that, that leads us to all kinds of dark places. Now, some of you are single and maybe you've experienced separation or maybe you're, you're single and, and you've not you know, married yet, but you're, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about it. And if you're single today and you're thinking about it, I want to encourage you to do a couple of things as, as we move through this today. Um, and, and, and one thing is get married by a pastor and, and um, go through premarital counseling and just consider getting married in a church, right? That's not biblical. I'm, I'm not saying it's a sin to like get married in a barn, but I'm just saying, consider the church option, right? Because this is not a legal commitment that we are walking into. Now, I know our, our, our laws and our state and our country have made it a legal issue, but, but for us as a Christian, that's secondary. For us, this is a covenant that a man and a woman enter together. Marriage is, is an institution that God created. So if you're not a Christian, there's really no need to even consider marriage because it doesn't really, it, there's no really point in it. God created marriage for a man and a woman to join together and make a covenant with each other, but also before God. So this is a spiritual commitment. It's not, we'll marry them and treat them well, as long as they treat me well. We'll marry and hang out 
as long as I'm happy. No, it's like we covenant together before God and each other that we're going to figure it out. You're not going to like her on many days. She's not going to like you for many days. But we're covenanting together that we're going to figure it out and then we're going to pursue each other as we pursue God. And so that's the covenant that we're making. So if you're single, listen, it's, it's not like you want to begin to think about this stuff, you know, when you meet that special someone, right? No, you, you want to pursue this now because raising your family starts now. It doesn't start, you know, when you find somebody. It starts right now. Teenagers, it starts right now. Now stop looking for that special someone and start becoming that someone that God wants you to be, right? And so, so as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Now in marriage, we, don't, we struggle because we don't know how to love each other. So the man, you know, thinks, okay, if I love my wife, you know, that means I'm gonna provide for her. So I'll work 60, 70, 80 hours and, um, you know, I'm going to buy her nice things and she's going to have stuff. And she's like, I don't want stuff. I just, I just kind of want to be in a relationship with you. I don't even know you, right? And, and, and so we're not leading, but we're providing because we don't know how to love. And then, the, you know, sometimes the wife struggles with this in a different way. Like to love my, love my husband, it means I need to help him change. Help him change. And so let me show you how you can change, honey. Right. And so if you do this differently and this and then it becomes a nagging thing and, and like we're constantly on, you know, and then and then the, we think that's love and, and, and that's not love. Um, and in the scriptures, Jesus calls us to a, a, a true, authentic love for one another. But it doesn't start with one another. In fact, if you're taking notes today, the best way to love your spouse is to love God first. And you could insert your family in that blank as well. The best way to love your family is to love God first, put him first. In fact, Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? If you narrowed it down, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus's response was to love your spouse with all of your heart. No, that's not what he said, was it? He actually says it in Matthew 22. He says, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, this is the first and most important commandment. And then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, who is your, if you're married today, who is your closest neighbor? Your spouse, right? So the priority list here is, is love God first, love your spouse next, right? She's, she's your neighbor. She, she's the one that, that, that you must give priority to, but but God must be first. And so it's not, you know, love your spouse as long as she loves you the way that you want to be loved. It's, it's love your God and then you will be able to love your spouse. So he says, put God first, put God first, focus on him. As you focus on him, you know, you, you'll be able to lead your family spiritually. Uh, you know, guys struggle with this. You know, we talk about this a lot, you know, as, a, as, the, as the man in the family, as the dad, you're the spiritual leader of your kids and your wife. And so, so that freaks guys out. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Here's, here's where you start. You seek God first. Seek God first. You seek God first. You figure out what it looks like for you to grow in your relationship with him. You experience what we call our journey experience and you go through those steps. You get involved in a small group. You get somebody to pour into you, to disciple you. As you grow closer to him, then you have vision for your family. But you will not have any vision for your family spiritually if you are not yourself seeking God first. 
So I could talk about a million things on how to seek God today. I could talk about how coming to you know, worship is important. I could talk about reading your Bible. I could talk about, you know, you know singing songs together. We, we talk about a million things, being in small group. So many great things that would add value to that relationship. But the thing that I want us to focus on today is simply this. Seek God together in prayer. Seek God together in prayer. I think prayer is the first habit. It's the first discipline that you've got to establish as a married couple um, to lead your family, to lead her, and, and to be able to grow that relationship with the Lord. Colossians chapter four, verse two says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Prayer will change everything in your marriage. So the, did I mention the book? Did I already mention? I'm kind of everywhere today. But there's, there's a book, um, I was getting to it a while ago, and it, 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 it's, it's a new research, and the new research is showing that, um, you know, the, the, the old thing that said, you know, 50% of marriages in a divorce, and that includes people in the church. So even 50% of the people in church um, are getting divorced. Some of you have heard that stat, and you've heard that. Anybody? Okay, so many people have heard that. Well, uh, Shanti Fieldhound has written this new book, and she is saying that the new research is, is kind of blowing that myth up. And in fact, the old research by Barna uh, simply had a box that said, are you a Christian? And if they check that box and then they fill out the rest of the survey, then they were kind of lumping in all Christians, you know, are, are doing this as well. But we all know checking the box that you're a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that you're a Christian, right? You know, I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't tell the whole story. A lot of people in the South, in, in America, say that they're a Christian, but they, but they don't know what that means and they're not living that out. So the new research has included, are you praying together? Are you going to church together? Are you in a small group together? And what she's finding out is astronomically incredibly positive. In fact, she says in, in, in her book that if you attend church, that you are 25 to 50% more likely to have a healthy marriage. Those are much better odds. The statistics say that 8% of Christian marriages pray together, 8%. So that means that like 92% of us in here are, are sweating already this morning and like, oh man, this is applicable, a little too close to home. But, but here's, here's what it also tells us, that of those 8% that pray together, less than 1% end in divorce. Less than 1%. So, so you can go the world's way if you want to. You can, you, know, you, can, you can do what everybody else is doing in your community, at work, treat each other the same way, have the same schedule that everybody else has, you know, prioritize just like everybody else prioritizes. 50-50 shot, good luck. You're gonna make it, 50-50. And if you do make it, it's probably not gonna be a very healthy marriage. You're probably just gonna be hanging on. So if you want that, go for it. But if you wanna be a part of the less than 1% who are not only together, but who love each other, who are growing together, who are excited to see each other, that, that have, have discovered what it means to serve one another, that, that are raising a family that, and that, that, that knows Jesus and that loves Jesus. I mean, that's where we wanna be in 10, 15 years from now, but it starts right now starts by making a commitment to choose this day whom you will serve. Are you going to continue to serve the idols of this world and run after success and run after money and run after all the stuff that, you know, TV and, and everything else like shows that's fun? And, or are you going to focus on God? Are you going to seek God first? Are you going to 
seek the idols of, of your kids. I mean, here, here's the deal. Like our kids have become an idol today. You know, we, we talk about this all the time. We, you know, in, in my generation, if you're older too, you talk about how, you know, sometimes we think that we had it better um, as kids than our kids. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that conversation, but, you know, we played in the woods, man. We were out, you know, we rode bikes. You know, we didn't have all this technology, and so we, we, we were kids, you know. We were running around, you know, and so, like, we had a better childhood, right, than, than our kids. But whose fault is that? <laughs> could, it, could it be that our, our kids have a, a worse childhood than we did because our parents were better than us? I, I see so many people, and I struggle with this as well. So I'm, I'm as a fellow, not figured it out guy, like our kids are, are playing sports and we love sports. And, and so, but, but when I was growing up, you didn't travel every weekend to go play sports. You, 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 number one, your, your parents didn't worship you and, and you weren't the center of their life, right? I wasn't the center of their life. They had a life and it wasn't revolving around, you know, what sport I wanted to play and making me a six-year-old all-star, Right? And it wasn't, you know, throwing thousands of dollars to travel and to go to all these tournaments and that kind of thing because they had a life and they had priorities. And so, oh, and by the way, I did get a college scholarship and I didn't travel and do all that to play, to play sports. So, so, you know, for some of us, we think that if we're gonna get, you know, the end goal, we've got to do what everybody else is doing, which is every weekend run and gun and, 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 and play sports and, and, and send the money. Meanwhile, little girls are growing up and at 14 blowing out their ACLs, hating the game by the time they're in high school. I mean, what are we doing? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like I said, I like sports and it's, it's, it's a big part of who we are, but it's all about balance, you know? And it's about the structure and the priorities of our life. And so I want you guys to, I don't know if you're a Jenga fan, but, but this... This is, this is like a game that, that we can play, but it also kind of for me today represents like our structure, our family, and our priorities. <clears throat> so if you're living your life and like seeking God is your foundation, it's your priority. And then on that building block, you're able to add, you know, your marriage. You're able to add your children. You're able to add, you know, your, your work. And then you can begin to, to, to build this life and this family upon this foundation. And, and so it, it kind of it looks not perfect because we're, we're never perfect. There's some gaps, there's some holes. We're always trying to fill certain things. And, and there's always some things that we realize, oh man, we need to take that one out. That's not helpful. That's not good for us. And then we might find some that, oh, we need to add this. And so we might add it back in. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to live your life, if you're trying to lead your family, if you're trying to have a healthy marriage and seeking God is not the foundation, it's almost as if you're just gonna take this out and, in, and inevitably that's the result. Everything crumbles. And then it's like, oh wait, no, we need to, you know, we need to try to get back on track and it's just a disaster. And this right here kind of looks like some of your families. You're emotionally exhausted. You're spiritually bankrupt. You're driving around so much. You're hitting up fast food. You never cook. You never sit down and, and, and eat together. You're putting all that fast food crap in your body. 
which leads to all kinds of other health issues that I don't even have time to get into. But then you're irritable because of all those health issues and you don't stop the pace. You're stressed, you're bankrupt. And then you come to church and you're like, Trent, give me something, dude, give me something. I need help. It's like, I can't give you anything if this right there is not a priority. If seeking God is not a priority, then there's nothing that, that, that can happen for you. Like it's just all Oprah Winfrey feel-good stuff. It's not gonna help. There are no band-aids when it comes to a marriage. There are no band-aids when it comes to leading your children to love Jesus. You cannot just do that. Seek God together through prayer. Seek God together in prayer. And so here's what that means. For some of you, um, you don't pray before you eat. So maybe the first commitment you're gonna make is, hey, we're gonna pray before we eat, even when we're in public. And we're gonna look weird, but, but we're gonna do it. And so that's the first thing. Some of you are scared to death to pray in front of your wife and it's like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say. Like say two sentences. Thank you God for this food. Thank you for my family, amen. That's a great start, right? Just like anything, you've gotta put a little effort into it, right? If you played sports, you didn't just show up on the field one day and, 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 and become Peyton Manning, right? You, you, you had to work at it. And so you might need to read some books might need to read some blogs and figure this thing out. You might need to get in some relationships with some other godly men that have figured this out that, that you can learn from. And by, by doing that, you are putting God first. You are seeking God. Seek God's kingdom first in your life. And then all these things will be added unto you. It's what Jesus says. And, and so, so for you and I, this is huge. For some of you, it means that you're gonna you know, commit to pray with your wife before you go to bed every night. Honey, before we go to sleep, we're just gonna pray. And and like I said, it may be a a 10 second prayer or it might be a a 15 minute prayer, whatever it is, we're gonna pray before we go to bed every night. And then we're we're gonna begin to kind of let that overflow into our our text message life. And so we're gonna text each other prayers. Hey, praying for you today. Hey, I know you're gonna, you know, I I know you're praying for, for peace. I'm praying for peace in your life today. I know you're gonna deal with that knucklehead at work. I'm I'm praying that he dies. No, I'm just kidding. I'm praying. that you learn how to deal with him. And listen, as you are growing in your prayer life, you're becoming more and more intimate with each other. You're becoming more uh, and more you know, intimate with the Lord. And as you do that, there is a spiritual connection that, that, that is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. All of a sudden, you're not fighting over silly teenage junk anymore. Now all of a sudden you are getting on a deeper level with one another and and some guy flips you off in the car as you're driving down the interstate and you're less likely to chase him down and kill him because of your spiritual life has been growing and you've been praying and this has been changing your life. And then you're gonna take it even a step further and then you're gonna start to lead your family in worship. And, 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 And you're gonna buy into the reality that the student pastor and the children's you know, pastors here at the church are not responsible for your children's spiritual life that you are as a mom and as a dad. And so, so whether that means you're, you're single raising your own, you, you know, your kids, or if, 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 you're, if you're married to somebody who's not like committed to the Lord, it doesn't, at this point, you are gonna take responsibility. And so you're gonna gather your children together. You're gonna gather your wife together, your kids together, and you're gonna have family worship. Maybe once a day maybe once a week, certainly once a month. You say, Trent, we don't have time. Ding, 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 ding. That's the problem. Just don't tell on yourself, right? <laughs> but, but that's the issue. 
to sit down, to pick a book of the Bible, any of them, they're all good. I wouldn't start in Revelation with your kids, but, <laughs> but I would start in one of them and I would read a, a, a few verses, maybe a passage, ask some questions and then pray for 10 minutes. Maybe sing a song together, a worship song that we sing on Sunday morning that they sing, depending on how old your kids are or how good your voice is, I don't know. But you're gonna gather together and you're gonna begin to surround your family around the gospel. Now, if that's really freaking you out, there's a book in the cafe on family worship, 10 bucks, I think, great little resource. It's a small book, so you, can, you could read it in like an hour. It's great though. Follow that, it's incredible to begin to seek God first. There's another book in there called uh, Gospel-Centered Families, a, a kind of a ph philosophical big picture, what it looks like to raise your family. Now look, this is what it means to lead your family spiritually. It's not just showing up to church, although that's a great first step, but there's so much more. And as you begin to do this, and as you begin to grow closer to him, God begins to transform your marriage. God begins to transform your family. And at the end of the day, it's really hard to cheat on your spouse if you're praying together. It's really hard to become addicted to pornography if you're praying for each other on a regular basis. It's really hard to divorce somebody that you're praying regularly with. I'm just saying practically. So you can take the 50% odds if you want to. Um, but if I were you, and I would go God's way, I would choose today that we're gonna put God first. So we're going to seek him first. And so we're going we're gonna to hear the spirit lead us today and we're going to make some adjustments and we're going we're gonna to maybe transform our schedule a little bit because we're serving an idol here of our children or our children's success. And, and we're going to put our life into perspective. I love what Joshua says. If you've got your Bible, let's go back to it. So, so the people essentially in this chapter, they say, oh, oh yeah, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And so, so he's like, all right, are you sure? Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, we're, we're sure. We're going to be witnesses against ourselves. And so here's what Joshua does in verse 26. He, it says, and Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. So thankfully, we've got it here to read. And then he took a large stone and he set it there under the terebinth. That's basically a, a tree, a big tree. That was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So big tree next to the sanctuary, takes a big stone, puts it there. Verse 27, and Joshua said to all the people, listen to this, behold, this stone shall be a witness against us for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you lest you deal falsely with your God. And then Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. And then he dies. So this is kind of like his last act. He was like, guys, listen, you make this commitment. Choose today whom you're gonna serve. And they say, we're gonna serve God. And he says, all right. So next to the temple, huge tree, we're gonna put this massive rock and this massive rock is going to be the symbol. It's going to remind us of the commitment that we make today. The commitment that we made before the Lord. It's almost like a wedding ring. We, we have a symbol to help us remember this commitment that we have made. And so, man, in the Old Testament, it seems like there's, there's often these um, uh, visuals and, and symbols. And I, I love this about the scripture. And I, I think it's important for us to have visuals to remind us about our commitments, to remind us about who we are serving as, uh, as a family. Now, if you walk into a, a, a Christian's home, um, a lot of times you can tell that they're Christians, right? You can tell 
their, their faith is there because, you know, there's maybe a cross hanging or there's a picture or maybe there's books out or there, there's a Bible or, you know, maybe they shop at Hobby Lobby and so there's like, I don't know, Barnwood with verses on them or something. And so um, you can kind of tell. And I think that's a great reminder, by the way. We have this cross right by our front door. As you walk in, you see this cross. As you leave, you see that cross. And it serves as kind of a visual and it's kind of a reminder. Like, like uh, in, in our kids' rooms, there's scripture on, their, uh, on pictures that they're, that's hanging up in their rooms. It's just a constant reminder. Hey, this is who we are. This is what we're about. You know, and this is, this is a, a, a visual reminder. Um, when I was in Israel, one of the things I continued to see uh, next to doors was like this little box and this box was everywhere. It was on our hotel doors. Uh, it was on doors in the community. And I was like, what is that little box there? What is, what is going on there? And I, I learned that it's a mezuzah. And so um, in the Jewish culture, um, they have what's called a mezuzah and it's basically a box. I actually bought one uh, just to, to kind of show, but it's, um, it can be made out of metal. It can be made out of wood. This one's kind of like a clay. And, and so what they do is there's like this little, this little opening in the back. And, and so uh, what they do is they get a professional scribe um, who, who studied years and years to do this and they take parchment and then they, they write the sh- uh, Shema on this, this, um, on this parchment. And that's Deuteronomy 6 and then also Deuteronomy 11. But Deuteronomy 6 is, is the one um, uh, where God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord God is one. And, and then it goes into teaching your children as you walk, as you lie down, and, and you remember that. And, and it, close, it closes in verse 9 with, You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so they've, they've taken that passage and they've come up with this tradition of the mezuzah. And so they write the verses on here and you've got to be a professional uh, scribe to do this. And, and, um, and then they wrap it in plastic. They put it in the back and then they screw it into the doorpost of their houses. And so guys, I think there's a picture we can kind of look at. So this is kind of an example. And, 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 and they slant it inwardly um, into the door to represent that, that God is, is coming into this house, the Torah, the, the first five books of the Old Testament is present in this home. And when they walk into their homes, they touch it. It's almost like when you're, you know, when you're playing sports and there's a sign, like I will give my all and the guys run out and they hit the sign. It's like a visual reminder to them. And I thought that was really, really unique. It's really, really cool. And, 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 and the, the letters on here, most of them will have these letters and, and it means Adonai, so it means the Almighty One, all-powerful One. It's an acrostic that means uh, guardian over Israel's gates. And um, every time they come home, boom, there it is. And it's just a visual reminder. And I would, I would encourage you to begin to create some family traditions, some visual reminders in your home that says, you know what, whatever, you know, whatever knucklehead my daughter brings home, by God, he's going to see who I am when he walks through the doors. And I don't know if you're going to hang a shotgun and then a cross underneath. I don't know. That may be your tradition. I don't know. But like, the reality is we need visuals. We need reminders. This is what we're doing. This is, this is the direction we're going. So that when we're exhausted and, 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 and things are falling apart and we're fighting with each other and our kids are acting crazy, like we can see this and go, okay, this is the issue. My kids aren't, you know, the Antichrist, I, I'm just not leading them well right now. You know, my wife and I, we're not getting along right now, not because she's not the one for me, it's because I'm not leading her well. Right? So how can I lead her well? 
How can I serve her and love her despite how she treats me? How can I serve and love my kids despite what they wanna do? I mean, your, your kids, they wanna play sports every weekend, don't they? They wanna travel, they wanna do all that, but they also wanna pick their nose, right? And so we don't let them do that, hopefully, you know? They're gonna wanna look at porn when they're, you know, in high school, but we're not gonna let them do that because just because you desire to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing. And, and so we know that, but for some reason, we haven't translated that into our schedule and we haven't translated that into putting Jesus Christ first in our life. And so my challenge for you today is this. Um, ladies, all you have to do today is eat pie, right? That's your, that's your challenge today, right? Whatever the Lord tells you to do. But all I'm asking you to do is eat pie. Guys, here's what I'm asking you to do. Um, I've asked James to come and lead us in a song called Close. And, just talks about being close to him. And so that's really the tone and the focus of this series. And, and I, I wanted to challenge all of our men as we sing this song to come forward here at the front and just kneel down and spend a few moments in prayer, committing your family to the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you may say, God, I don't know exactly what I'm doing or how I'm gonna do that, but I know this, I wanna put him first. And so things are gonna change. I'm gonna pray with my spouse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna initiate that. No matter how long that conversation is or how weird that prayer feels, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna seek God first. And then as you leave today, every man is gonna get a, a little Jenga block that says seek God on it as a visual reminder of your commitment today. And so no matter where you're at spiritually, no matter where your marriage is at, you know, whether it's awesome and things are going great or, you know, things are a little rocky. If you're doing family worship at home and your kids are, you know, little Moseses and Joshua's running around, like spiritually speaking, that's great. But we're gonna recommit the Lord to our kids and our family to the Lord today. So uh, let's stand, I'm gonna pray. And then uh, men, why don't you join me? at the front. God, Lord, we uh, bow before you. We, we ask that this would challenge us today. God, there's so much at stake when we talk about our families. There is nothing more important than our spiritual life. And yet so often when we follow the crowd, when we follow our culture, <laughs> it's like the last thing we think about. Lord, may that not be true of Foothills Church. May that not be true of the families at Foothills Church. Help us to seek you first, help us to put you first, help us to realize that loving our spouse is best done by loving you first. And so Lord, that means we need your grace to draw us. We need your grace to grow us. We need your, your grace and your, your, your mighty hand to put this desire in our heart. And Lord, we pray that that desire would be placed there this morning and all of our men and all of our ladies, single guys, single girls, folks who one day want to be married, Lord, may they seek you now. Lord, we ask that you would hear our prayer and that you would bless us as a result. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.